Welcome to Four Dimensions for Teachers, a podcast with Dr. Caroline Blackley, covering topics that surround today's dynamic teaching and learning environments. Ignite your curiosity, engage your passion for discourse, and encourage others to join us in these robust conversations, all to strengthen our community of practice. No need to put your hand up. Just tune in as we laugh, cry, challenge each other, and aim high to continue to be the best teachers we can. On our last podcast, we talked about noticing where the interactions are in your classroom between students, but also where we can place teacher-student interactions based on that knowledge. So when we take a pause in our reaction time, just those few seconds extra, take a breath before we respond, what we do is we provide ourselves with an opportunity to look around the whole class and really pay attention to where is the learning and where am I interacting with my students? Where do I choose to put my energy into this classroom to maintain that curriculum focus rather than take away and add to behaviour conversations? So building on from that, I also find it very interesting that, and I swear we must have been trained or we've just seen people model it to us and so we continue to do this practice. But over and over again, I watch in classrooms where teachers are not positioned in the best place in which to manage not just disruption, but appropriate student behaviours. Interactions are what change the environment in which we work. What I mean by that is if we have a lot of opportunities or we create the opportunities to have curriculum conversations and learning conversations, we will re-educate our students that this is our core business, our core focus, and we will show those students that require our attention with much more frequency that in our classrooms they are safe places. We will spark curiosity for learning And when I engage with you, I am more likely to engage with you in appropriate curriculum learning based conversations than I will for low level disruption. So what I see over and over again, let's pretend we're on the oval and a teacher wants to get students to come back to them. We often stand or position ourselves where we have a higher frequency or a higher likelihood of the students who are doing the right thing positioning themselves. So when a teacher blows their whistle, and it signifies, come back to me, who are the students that are the first to come and stand with the teacher? The students who are the organised, the doing the right thing, the learners in our classroom. Where are the students who are the ones who are off task, consistently demonstrating low level disruption, the furthest away? What I've seen other teachers do, and this is the beauty of observing, I like to think of watch and reflect. When we watch and we reflect on what others do in their practice, not that is better, but is different to us, What I see teachers do that have minimal disruption in their classrooms, they position themselves not where the students will meet them, but they have a, let's say, let's go back to HPE. I watch beautiful Michaela. She has one whistle and students all pop a squat, literally where they are, so no one moves to her. The second one, she does two whistles and students meet back at a designated spot. Now, what that means for her and her teaching is that when she blows the two whistles, the students who are most likely to follow her instruction, she can interact with them from a distance because they are also the students who are most likely to be listening to the teacher. These are our students who, when we look at mob buy-in, are doing what we want. The students who are likely to be disruptive, not listening or not following instruction, she has now created the time and space where she can walk in an arc or she can collect students as she walks back in. And the interactions don't need to be around behaviour because she's not waiting for them at the front or waiting for them back at the circle she designated as their meeting spot. She can use 
questions to redirect. She can walk with students talking about the curriculum they were just demonstrating and bring them back into the group in a less time frame than if she was standing at the front and waiting for students. So another example is when I'm in a primary setting and students are working at their desks and a teacher says, okay, year three, everyone let's pack up. We're moving to the carpet. We're going to do our sound waves. So the instructions are clear. The clarity is there of what the teacher wants. Yet over and over again, what I see is the teacher move to the carpet in the first instance or is there before they start to give the instruction. Again, where are the students going to be positioned who are our learners are the most likely to follow instructions and do as they are asked on the carpet. The students who will be straggling, taking their time, talking to their mates are more likely to be away from the carpet. So how do you position yourself in your classroom when you, and this is around when we gain attention for students to come back or we're transitioning from one activity to the other, where you position yourself will never manage the classroom behaviours. What it will do is it will show to students the expectation of where I want you to move without relying on the teacher as the point of contact. And it provides us with re-educating students around this is where you move to and creating time and space that I can now interact with much more higher frequency with students who haven't met the expectation of movement. So notice where the students are in your classroom. Pay attention to where the movement in the classroom is and where the students that need the most interactions or the most distant compared to the closer interactions will position themselves. I can tell you over and over again, I observe this in classrooms, the students who need the least close proximity for interactions, or you can interact with them from a distance because they are the students doing what you have asked, they are the ones that will most likely be where you have asked them to be in the quickest time. So can you position yourself at the back of the room? And I am someone that will always stand at the front of the room to give my instructions on most occasions. So once I've given my instruction, okay, year three, let's move to the floor, packing up quietly. I can now move in amongst my students. I can be interacting with those that are slowly packing up, that are quickly packing up. I can look back, do peripheral vision back to the floor and interact with the students who are sitting doing as I've asked because interactions are what change the classroom environment. Then for my one or two that are not listening or are not responding, I can now be standing right beside them while I have 90% of my students at the floor. And instead of having language across the whole curriculum space of I'm waiting, I'm still waiting, I can stand with those students. Where should you be? What have I asked you to do? Sweetheart, have you got your books? Lovely. I love how you've got your things packed away. Let's now move to the floor, ready for our sound waves activity. What I do is I provide a space that is now filled and filtered with soft summer rain. The expectations of both curriculum and behavior around what I want to see. Rather than interrupting those who are ready for learning with the usual redirections of I'm still waiting. What did I ask you to do? And when we are situated at the front of the room, we're having to do that over the whole class or the majority of the students who are there ready for learning. The second is notice where the good students are, notice where the learners are, and don't have them waiting. Give them something to do. Those filler activities, those do now activities, are and should be linked to the learning so that students who are waiting for us rather than us waiting for students, we provide them with an interaction. Talk to your elbow buddy. Have a look at the learning on the board. What do you think we'll be talking about today? What is our sound that we're doing in sound waves? There are so many things we can do if our learning is intentional and we have planned high expectations around both the learning and the behaviour. 
Notice where your students are. Notice the different mobs, the different groups that are within the whole mob and position yourself and maximise on how you move around the classroom and how you re-educate your students to respond when you gain attention. And this will save you a lot of frustration and negative affect in all the time we spend waiting, waiting for students who aren't yet ready for the learning. Have a great day and I look forward to catching you on our next podcast. Thanks for listening. That's a wrap for this episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review and visit carolineblackley.com and join our growing community of international educators.